Well, let's take our Bibles and turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verses 17 through 23, in a sermon I've titled, To Carry It Out. But before we get to there, I just want to uh, mention Karen Roberts. This is Janie White's daughter. And Karen grew up here in our church, a little girl. And, uh, and then uh, she's in the hospital now down in Orlando in critical care. So we know she's had battles with cancer off and on. And so keep her and husband and their children and others in your prayers, if you would, as well as Doug and, and Janie. And They've they gone on down there, but keep them in your prayers. That would be a very special thing. Lord, I just pray for Janie and Doug for safety down there, but also, Lord, for Karen. Lord, just help the doctors to know exactly what to do. And then I pray, Lord, that what they can't do, you would do. And Lord, bring healing to her. And I pray that she could be back home with her children and her husband and uh, back about the regular things of life. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Okay, and uh, so, yeah, longtime members here at Central Baptist Church. And now uh, Karen and her husband live down in Lakeland, but uh, still they're, uh, they're part of us as far as we're concerned. And, and now they're uh, in a time of need. Uh, again, our text is uh, John chapter 15, verses 17 through 23, and I've titled this again, as I told you a little while ago, to carry it out. Uh, you know, we make a lot of promises, we say a lot of things we don't carry them out. It kind of reminds me of the boy, he's about four or five years old, and his daddy just really got all over his case about something, reprimanded him, I mean, just really let him have it pretty good. And the boy said, I'm going to run away from home. Packed his suitcase and all that and started to head out the door and looked at his dad and said, I'm running away from home. He said, okay, son, he says, uh, what are you going to do when you get hungry? I'm going to come back here and get something to eat. <laughs> oh, what are you going to do when you run out of money? I'll come back and get some money. What about when your clothes get dirty? I'll come back and get mama to wash them. The guy said, just my luck. He's going off to college. He's not running away, you know. <laughs> so sometimes that happens. But, you know, I use that illustration a little bit humorous, but just the idea that sometimes I'm going to live for Christ. Boy, I'm going to give it my all. And really when our faith comes under fire, we don't really live it. And so as we look to our text this evening in John chapter 15. Now, as a matter of fact, I'm going to go ahead and read verses 12 through 14 because they uh, tie right in with the other verses. It says, uh, this is my commandment. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. These things I command to you, that you love one another. Now he's just said these first two verses about loving one another, and then he says again, it's a command. Love one another. He will say in John 13, 34, and 35, before this chapter, just after that Last Supper and, and, and getting ready to go off to Gethsemane, he says, a new commandment I've given to you. Well, the Old Testament said to love one another, but this is greater than that. It said to love uh, one another as you love yourself. 
But he says, to love one another now as I have loved you. And he's just said, no greater love hath any man than this to lay down his life for his friends. And so uh, as we continue now with, with this, in verse 19 he says, uh, in verse 18 he says, If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Now remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin, but now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. Talking about faith, just before we have a word of prayer. Faith that is real simply means this. <clears throat> the faith of a Christian towards his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You are resolved to follow the straight and narrow way. No circumstances nor loss will cause me to turn back from total commitment to Jesus Christ. Now that's what each of us, the kind of faith, that's this faith that Jesus just spoke of here. So let's have a word of prayer and we'll get started into the message. Father, I pray as we look into your word tonight that thy Holy Spirit would just make it clear to each and every believer. Lord, I pray that if there's one here tonight that does not know that if they died tonight that heaven's their home, I pray that tonight be the night to come to know him. But then I pray for the people of God to be edified and prepared for what lies ahead in this life in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Back in August, I preached a couple sermons titled, Faith Under Fire. But then following that, I had a sermon uh, called The Spiritual Warfare, Doing All to Stand. And then I followed those up by five sermons on the uh, idea of signs, you might say, present day signs that show, show a soon rapture. And many of you said, yes, I believe that the rapture is coming very soon. We realize that it's very close. When every saved person shall be caught up in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And so, and amen, that is a good hallelujah, because that is those who are saved are caught up. Those who are not saved, those who are not sure if they died tonight that heaven's their home, they're left behind. And they're going to face a tribulation on this earth like man has never faced. So, that's the things that are in line today. That's just what is facing man. Now, those messages were followed by 
just a few weeks ago, three weeks ago, I preached Know the Lord, and then that was followed the following Sunday by Don't Quit. Now, the purpose for me to preach all of those messages uh, was to really go back, because they all come under this heading of faith under fire. And I think sometimes we'll hear of uh, the things of the rapture or some other things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when we start seeing how soon it is, we must ask ourselves, will my faith stand under the fire? I truly believe that this series was given me by the Lord that we might beware of a depraved world about us as it grows even worse. And the call for us to stand is more significant now than perhaps at any other time in the past. We must stand. And yet we must realize as well, 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 3, verse 12 and 13 says, Yea, and all those that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That persecution becomes the measure of the believer. Showing if they will stand or they will not stand. And so, this world goes worse day by day. And so, when we preach those last two sermons about the soon rapture and our faith under fire and those things, it's really a test of our love and commitment toward the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the test. It's the test. God doesn't bring the trials and things like that on you, but He does allow them. But He's also given a promise, no matter how bad the trials seem to be and how hard it seems to hit, if you're a believer, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. That's the promise that we have uh, before us. And so, yes, it takes great faith when the fire is also great. And our love and our commitment will be fully revealed. It's fully tested. Your faith is tested. Now, many of us uh, over these last several weeks have made commitments to say, uh, you know, I'm going to stay true to the Word. These scriptures show us that we've covered uh, in the last, uh, that series on faith under fire, the need to stand. Especially when somebody do not stand in these last days. And so we wanted you to beware of what faces us ahead of time. Scriptures show us how to stand in these last days and being last day witnesses, but it also tells us it's not going to be easy. I think of Hebrews chapter 11, we call it the Hall of Faith. You read <clears throat> all the stories about those people and, and the things they went through and the things they suffered for Christ. We call it the Hall of Faith. And that's the term we gave. It's a good term. All those things. It says we're surrounded, after that he says in chapter 12, we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, I've heard preachers say this, and I kind of cringe every time I do. I don't say anything. 
let's say, we have all those believers of the past looking down watching us. No, they're not watching a depraved, filthy world. All those things that happen to them stand as testimonies. That's the witness that we have. It's the great cloud of witnesses that is telling us, yes, these are people. Some of them we say were great men. Some of them were men not really well known at all in their day until things happened. And said, so we look at these people. And we realize they stood the test of time. They stood under fire. Now, I want us to carry it out. You know, we've, we realize that. We want to stand. We want to be faithful. We want to be found faithful when Jesus comes. But we also want to carry it out. And the best words of instruction is from the one who knows the end from the beginning. As Acts 15, 18 says, Known unto God are all His works from the beginning. He has known everything. Nothing is new to Him. He's always known. Uh, he created man. And now He is giving man instruction from the uh, last week of His life on earth. Now He's going to come back to this earth and rule and reign. But understand, on His last week of earth before the cross and the resurrection, the Lord has given these words. They're kind of like a man on a deathbed and giving last words instructions to his family. And so he's giving us these words. So we need to allow these words to lead us. Think on the words of Jesus' instruction. We're going to be tested. We're going to be tried. If you stand for me, they're going to hate you. Why? Because the world hates the Lord. If you're going to be Christ-like, you're going to understand the world's also going to hate you because they don't love our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, I remember uh, back in the, uh, you know, the 50s and 60s, well, I can remember back in about, uh, I'd say about fourth grade. I think I heard it in fifth grade, probably sixth grade too. Teachers in Sunday school saying, what if Russia attacked? Now, back in that day, we thought Russia War is with Russia. Preachers preach sermons titled War with Russia. And, and that was a big thing and wondered if there was going to be war right here in America. And the, they're talking about atomic bombs and nuclear weapons and things of that nature. And so uh, that was a big deal. And the teachers asked a question. I thought it was an uh, interesting question to ask. said, uh, boys, if, if they came in here, some Russian came in here with a gun and points it at your head, he says, deny Jesus Christ or die. Would you die for Christ or would you stand? Now, when you're fifth and sixth grade boys, you say, yeah, man, I would stand. Yeah, I would do it. You know, yes, boys, that. Uh, yeah, I would do it. But then, think about it. Yeah, I would stand. It's easy to say when there's not a gun pl placed at your head. You don't see somebody laying on the floor that's just had their brains blown out by the same gun. And so, uh, yeah, it's easy to say in that situation, but when you're in the situation, the question is, is will we stand? And so the Lord has given us His words of instructions. And to carry it out, we must see, again, back in verse 17 of our text. 
you love one another. We told of John 13 when Jesus says, love as I have loved you. In 1 John chapter 4, we read in verse 20 and 21, if a man say that I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. Or he that, or he that uh, loveth not his brother, whom he hath not seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Does that make sense? You've not seen God. So how can you say you love your brother? Or you, I mean, how can you say that you don't love your brother? How can you say you love God whom you haven't seen if it's the brother you have seen? I mean, it just doesn't make sense. And so how can you say that is the words of God. And so these commands are important about loving one another because if you see someone that's going to stand, you better stand with them. It's good to have friends. It's good to have those that are standing too. That are, it's good to have those that are on the same side as we live in the last days. What we say, what we do, is it actually true? You see, what we say and what we do can be two different things altogether. Now, this is an old story. Now, this will be new to a lot of you because it comes from the 1950s, to be honest with you. It's a funny thing to remember. But um, an old, old, mangy-looking country dog, kind of a little bit bigger than an average dog, but that old country mangy dog was dropped out of a car in Washington, D.C., so he starts walking down the streets of Washington, D.C., and comes by the French embassy. And this is an allegory, by the way. But going by the French embassy, he sees two French poodles. Oh, they've just had their hair groomed and taken care of, you know, by the dog groomers. And, and then there is ribbons in their hair. Their fingernails are painted there, you know, on, on each of the dogs, the toenails. And they're standing there and they see this mangy thing, that big old mutt coming down the uh, road there. And he stops and looks in the gate and looks at those two things. And they're saying, oh boy, they're too good for him. He said, what's your name? One says, my name is Fifi, F-I-F-I. What's your name? My name is Mimi. M-I-M-I. -I. Mm. Those dogs look at each other. Let's have some fun. What is your name? My name's Fido. P-H-Y-D-E-A-U-X. <laughs> at least he spelled in French, didn't he? Okay. Now, Those poodles thought that they were more than what they are, but they're still dogs. That dog, the, the old country dog, spelled it out and acted like he knew uh, as much as they did. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. 
But in each case, they're pretending to be something they are not. And how often does that happen with us as Christians? We pretend to be something that we actually are not. And so, uh, we find out when our faith is under fire, if our faith is what we have pretended to be, the air that we've put on, or is it actually real? Uh, particularly that we do right before God. Because, you know, when you do right before God and you live according to His will and you stand as He would have you to stand, many times you find out who your friends really are. Sometimes you'll find out even not only the friends aren't really friends, but you'll find that family wants nothing to do with you if your love for God is genuine and your commitment is true and real. Then you find out the actual truth. The situation calls for true love. We get a direction that we should go from the Word of God. That truth always comes from Jesus Christ. There is uh, only one way to fight it, is in the strength of the Lord. As we said earlier, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, but without Christ, I may think I can do something, but I really can't. It is good however, to have others that are on the Lord's side, others who will stand, and others who will stand with you. Now, again, just like verse 18, he said, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. As a matter of fact, he could have said, know that the world hated me much more than it hated you. That's just the truth of the Word of God. You think that it's been hard on you, understand that the world has hated Christ more than it has hated you. But love stands regardless of the circumstances. Love will stand. That's true in life. If your love is real, it's true. It will stand true in all areas of life, in marriage, and particularly in the service of our Lord and God. Don't betray God. He saved you. But if you betray God, if you disobey His commands, yes, you're still saved. He doesn't stop loving you. He will not stop loving you. He will always love you. He's God. He loves His own. Yeah, if the world hated you, it, it hates me too. So don't worry about it. So we don't stand, we fail, and yes, He chastens to help get us right. But remember, even if he's out to get us right, he never leaves us nor forsakes us. Now, most of us grew up in the era that actually went more according to the Word of God instead of to the uh, false, failing, critical thinking philosophies of this world. Don't spank your children. My dad believed in it 
very much so. I think his belt had on that emblazoned, I need thee every hour. Okay, and it wasn't just to hold up his britches, all right? And so, of course, with five boys, I guess you would need it every hour. But I'm just saying is that he will never leave thee nor forsake thee, but he will never, never support sin and wrong in your life, but he will chasten you to try to get you back on the right track. Dad spanked us to get us on the right track, not to continue in what we were doing wrong. Tell you what, after you've got a good spanking, you might be tempted to do the same thing again, but you're going to be careful to try to not get caught. Okay? And that memory stays with you. So again, it's the same in marriage. Uh, a partner may betray the, the marriage vow, but you get frustrated. You don't know why. You don't know the situation. You don't know in, everything involved in it. But love stays committed, though it's hurt. Do you think a cheating marriage partner has ever hurt the Lord more than we have ourselves? You can never forgive someone more than Christ has forgiven us. You can't. Persecuted for righteousness' sake. But think of Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. Blessed are they that are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, on average, what does they say, 70 years in the Bible, three score and ten? Some lived to be 80, some lived to be 90s. I mean, my dad lived to be 98, my mother lived to be 70. Okay? Different ages. But life is short. Whether you're rich or poor, healthy or sick, life is short. But in heaven, life is eternal. It's eternal. And that we live, and once you're saved, you can lay up rewards in heaven that make eternal life all the better. You know, at the judgment seat of Christ, where Christians are judged, it's not saying whether they're going to go to heaven or to hell. They're going to heaven. But some are going to be saved so as by fire. The Bible says some will be ashamed at His appearing. Some will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful in a few things. I'm going to make thee ruler over many things. Oh, what a great day that'll be. But those at the white throne judgment where the unsavers are judged, they're going to be cast into the lake of fire, but you say, well, some of them were already in hell, they're brought up to be judged, and they're cast now into a lake of fire instead of just the hell that was before that. Yeah, but understand, it's going to be worse for some than others. That's why there's a judgment. For a Christian, it's going to be better for some than others because they stood. Going to hell, it's going to be the same. It's going to be worse for some than others. But all hell is bad. It's all bad. The lake of fire is bad for everyone. You can't cease to exist. You can't pass away. You, 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 you can't escape. It's forever and ever and ever and ever. Oh, the need to be saved. But then for the Christian, just like the unsaved, the second one dies, it's too late to get saved. And the second, as a Christian, you die, it's too late to try to make up and do all these things. It's too late. 
Now is the accepted time. And so, uh, blessed are you when they're persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they when men shall, yes, this is men, shall revile you, persecute you, and shall say all matter of evil against you falsely for my sake. Listen, I've been in the, before I was in the ministry, I saw this false thing said against my dad. He was a pre preacher. I've heard it said about me. I had some people one day, you folks know me. Sometimes I like to just have fun. They came to me with a petition. Preacher, this, whatever it was, they put it down there in front of me. Preacher, we've got this petition signed. I look at it, read the things it said. So that doesn't make sense. I said, okay, I'll sign it. There you are. I signed their petition. You should have seen the discouraged look they had on their face. That dummy doesn't get it. Yes, I did. That's why I was having so much fun, and you were so much frustrated. <laughs> okay. See, we've got to do things as we're led by the Lord, not led by popular opinion. We've got to do things that are relevant to the kingdom of heaven, not relevant to this world. We've got to do God's will, God's way. So he says, so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Now ask yourself, is my love a real commitment or is mine that self-righteous person that walks around as if they are the one that has all wisdom and knowledge and understanding? Now he said about the world. The world is the world system, the culture, the philosophy, whatever exalts the flesh. Against, over, love, holiness, and the truth of God's word. You know, the world likes to take some words out of the Bible. Grace. Oh, we've got grace. We've got liberty. And, and they, they're great words, but not when it's misapplied, then it's blasphemous words. Whenever you apply the words grace and liberty to the flesh instead of the spirit, then my friend, you are blaspheming God. Look. God's grace was provided so that old sinners like myself could actually live a life that would please God once He came to my heart and saved me. He didn't give me liberty to continue to do the things in His flesh that I was doing. No, He gave me the liberty and the grace to have victory over those things. He freed me. Liberty is freedom. He gave me freedom from those things having the power. You see, we are not trying to be relevant to this world. This world needs to be saved. Morals, ethics, doctrines. Uh, when you think of doctrine, Bible doctrine, uh, you know, I, I get to thinking on those things. 
and when I think of doctrine, ethics, morals, and so forth, they're never, never, never to be made relevant to this world. I mean, if you go to a sales meeting, and this guy is driving, I don't know, just a, let's just say he's, he's driving a BMW and he has also this, this uh, great big house. He's got these expensive suits on and he's, I mean, he's just well to do every way that there is to do it. A limousine picks him up every day to take him to work. I mean, he's got it all. Now, I want to help others have that as well. I want you to have that. I want that to be yours. And you become a part of this and you'll join in. This can be a part of yours. Now, do you think that guy is going to drive in in an old jalopy that's falling apart and throw up a picture of his house and it's in the worst area that it could be, run down, beaten down? He looks unkempt. Doesn't look like he has a penny. Are, are people want to go and jump on board with that? No, he's just like we are. Why do I want what he has? Just like him. Oh, but you know that heavenly home, streets of gold, mansions, those rooms that God has put up there. The beauty of heaven, the river, the water of life, flowing out from the throne of God, ruling and reigning with Him forever and ever. That's a great thing. So why don't we live like we believe it, instead of being dressed shabby and trying to make our faith in Christ relevant to the world? We've got a holy God. He's nothing like the devil. So we don't want to point the world that way and showing him the opposite of what he actually is. You see, our goal is to have the love of God first like he has to the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So the love of God says take that love to the world and tell them they can be saved from that. Regardless of the cause. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. You can lead people to be Christ and to be saved and, and, and to know the holy God. So why do we want to be relevant to the world? Why do we want to stand in here, dress like the world, sing like the world, talk like the world, and do everything like the world does? To make the world think that we're relevant? Yeah, you're relevant to the world. But that's not the saving grace of Jesus Christ. All that's going to do is really fool a lot of people that are going to end up in hell because we tried to be relevant to the world. And so we're trying to turn people to righteousness. Uh, the righteousness that we're trying to turn them to is the righteousness of Christ. You know, we talk about this country, oh, we've got to save America. We want America to be saved. We want to get back to the morals that it had at one time, the, the truth. And, uh, you know, if you're like me, you grew up in school, and, and most of you didn't, but uh, a lot of the younger ones didn't, should I say. But when I went to school, public school, read the Bible every day, had prayer, even had preachers come in and speak to us. That was public school. Public school. 
That's not America anymore. Why? Somewhere along the line we dropped the ball. People need to be saved. They need to be saved. And get the mind of Christ in them. Now, we get His words. We're first to love one another. Stay united as brothers and sisters in Christ, following the counsel of God in all things. Why would the world hate us when we have in mind that which is best for the world, which is God's Word and God's way? I mean, verse 19 says, if you were of the world, the world would love you. But because you're not of the world, the world hates you. You see, if we are truly committed to Christ, the world is not going to love you. You live a life of commitment to Christ. This world hates Him. Critical thinking is the weapon. We oppose pornography. We oppose communism. We know at one time this country did too. We know that. I grew up that there was no cussing on TV. I mean, there was absolutely no cussing on TV. When I was in high school, there's a boy now, he's a couple years older than I was. And matter of fact, he got saved at our church. And, you know, a big change. But before that, salvation. He got arrested because he cussed out a lady in the parking lot of a store. They heard him. They arrested him. They, they arrested him right on the spot. That was a standard in this country at one time. What happened? You see, but critical thinking always says, should you spank your child? Should you do this? Should you do that? Should you, is this really right? You question everything. And, and so that has brought about what we have today, questioning authority. You see, everybody say, are you talking about uh, uh, this critical race theory? No, I'm not talking about that. That's, that's part of critical thinking. But critical thinking goes far deeper than that. Far deeper than that. It questions authority. It questions parents. It makes the schoolhouse over the parent. It makes uh, some people think, well, what do I do? I, am I supposed to just give in to this so I don't lose my children? There are, there are thing, there's one thing after another that comes up. And your children are merely now wards of the state. And you're just appointed to be the babysitter. That's what critical thinking does. Matter of fact, back a few years ago, you remember Common Core? And I want to give you an example of Common Core with Christians. <laughs> Finally, they figured it out. That's a terrible thing. It's because enough people raised their voices. But that was one of the worst things that could have happened to America, to the schools and the homes of America was Common Core. But do you know there were some Christian colleges, I'm not going to name them right now, there were Christian colleges that said, we are alignable with Common Core. You know why? They were trying to be relevant to the world. As soon as Common Core went through all the trouble and exposure, all of a sudden they dropped that part. They dropped that advertisement. Why? Because it was no longer relevant to the world. I don't care if it's relevant to the world or not. Truth is truth. 
You stand on the Word of God. You always stand on true. Regardless of who says it, truth is truth. We must be aligned with the Word of God. And so, critical thinking, it, it, it does, it questions authority. Uh, your children, uh, should they really obey the parents? Abortion. Euthanasia. Those kind of murders. They're justified under critical thinking. And now they even, in some states already, it's against the law when a homosexual wants to come out of that, that depraved, abominable lifestyle, and they come for Christian counseling, they're saying the Christian counselors can't counsel them out of that. What are they afraid of? What are they afraid of? You see, again, that's the world situation today. If you stand for right, calling people to faith, to repentance and faith, you're going to be hated. Have you thought about Jesus Christ? I mean, the world loves one thing about it. The world loves the churches that are not meeting tonight. The world loves the churches that are not having Sunday school anymore. The world loves the churches that look like a dance hall on Sunday morning. The world loves the churches that all the standards have gone out the window. The world loves the church that instead of Sunday night church, they're watching the Super Bowl when that comes around. Preparing to carry out the duty of God. We'll stand and we've got to stand against the flow of the world. That's why he's saying, love one another. Encourage one another. Edify one another. Build one another up in the faith because Faith will be under fire. So unite, as verse 17 told us, unite in love. Verse 18, understand that the world hates Christ. You just keep on keeping on, keeping in mind the counsel of Christ. Stay true to the word. Stay faithful. Stay holy. Stay separate from the world, but separated unto God. Don't have an empty profession of faith that just puts on an air for people that are people of faith. You looked at verses 20 and 21. It says, uh, remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they'll, they'll keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. Let me just get verse 22 and 23 as well as I'm there. If I had not come and opened to them uh, the scriptures, they had not uh, spoken unto them, they had not known uh, sin, but now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me Hateth my Father also. You hate Jesus Christ. You know, you hate Jesus Christ if you hate those standards. You hate holiness. You hate righteousness. You hate Jesus Christ whether you realize it or not. And, God, and he says, you hate me, you hate my Father. God the Father. Jesus is God the Son. 
So when you think of it that way, you ought to reconsider it if that's the, the direction you seem to be going. Look, the world needs a Savior, and we need to stand. We need to stand. If you're going to love with the love of Christ, then understand there's going to be problems. John chapter 16, the very next chapter, verse 2, he says, They shall put you out of the synagogues, yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. You know, most all of the apostles found that to be true. They died for the faith, but those people that killed them are not remembered. But churches all around this world because they stood, stood true. John 16, 33, he says, These things have I spoken unto you, that, it, that ye might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now look, folks. That sounds almost depressing to some folks to say, man, stand for Christ. Now, I'm just trying to be real with you. I mean, just imagine you got cancer in your body. Go to the doctor. Yeah, you're all right. Don't worry about it. You know, they want to get treated. They want to get taken care of. They want to know they're going to live. Why are we looking at a, like that doctor that would say that, looking at the world like, oh, that's all right. You're doing the best you can. We're going to let them die and go to hell. Look, doing the best you can doesn't get anybody to heaven. I've heard, well, I haven't killed anybody yet. <laughs> yet. Oh, so that means you're going to go to heaven. No. Jesus said again, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. If you're going to come to Jesus, you must realize this very thing. I'm a sinner. I deserve to go to hell for the wages of sin, what I've earned, what I've got coming to me, and I've sinned, we all do, is to go to hell. Wages of sin is death, but the gift, not what we earn, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. How do we get that gift? By turning to Him as our Lord and Savior. And it is as the commitment of a marriage. You're committing to, your life to Him. You're His now. In the marital relationship, it's like he's the husband, we're the wife. We're submitted, he's the head. But the great thing about him, he's a great head. He's a loving head. And yes, we'll go through trial and tribulation. But doesn't the Psalms tell us, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. And so Hebrews 13, he's quoting the Old Testament, and he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So don't forsake him. Don't forsake him. Do you see the mess in America today? Do you see the mess in the homes that are falling apart? Do you see the mess... In about every way you turn. Even the world doesn't want to send their kids to the public schools anymore. 
And so, you know what? If that's the way the world is, it's getting worse. The question comes to us is, are we going to stand? We have the only hope that will work for the world. We have the only way that will work for the world. Let's not be relevant to the world. Let's be relevant to Christ. Amen. Let them see Christ in us. The hope of glory. For that's what he is. Well, let's bow our heads, please.